we're starting a new sermon series this Sunday. Uh, it's, it's titled, A Worthiness Worth Spreading. And the tag is, um, The Fuel Needed for City Missions. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited about this because we're embarking uh, upon not a new journey. I think we're dusting off uh, maybe some old things that we used to do as a church. And one of those things that we used to do is get out there and be more missional as, as a body. You know, like help spread the love and the good news of Jesus Christ around the city. And, um, you know, COVID hit and a lot of things, I think, uh, distracted us and kind of pulled us away from that objective. But I'm really excited because as a church, we're getting back to it. Amen. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you to join in with us, right? Get into it with us. And, uh, and so these next three uh, sermons are meant to kind of hopefully provoke us to works of righteousness, uh, to get out there and, and to be a missional people. Amen. And so, uh, you know, before though, we get into kind of the... Um, the missional aspects of uh, these next three weeks, I, I wanna talk more about the personal aspects, if I could. Now, that may not make any sense to you right now, but I'm, I'm hoping it will as we track through and, and we and deliver this sermon. But before we do, let me just pray. I mean, I need God's help. And more than that, you're gonna, you need God's help because if God doesn't come upon me and loose my tongue and give me words to say, this is gonna come across really awkward. So can we just pray? Again, I know we've done it about five to six times so far today, but that's what church is about, right? We're, we're praying people. And so we're just gonna ask for the Holy Spirit to come into this time and, and that he would share his heart as well as uh, the things that was, I have in my heart too. Amen. Father, we thank you uh, for this time, but most of all, I thank you for this people. Um, God, it is a, a privilege to lead them and to pastor them at, at Hilltop. And uh, God, we're asking that these next moments that we share together would be filled uh, with, with promise and power that is delivered not by me, but your spirit, God. Uh, I ask that, Lord. I, I don't want to be in the way. I just want to be the voice, God. And so come upon my tongue. Loose my mind to think and my tongue to speak in, in Jesus' mighty name that these people, God, might be edified, built up, and encouraged. Amen. Um, a worthiness worth spreading. Of course, we are talking about the worthiness of Christ, right? Hopefully you all know that. It's no secret. Um, but as I said earlier, before we, we get into the missional side of uh, these next three weeks, the things that we're going to be talking about regarding missions and everything, reaching our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to get into more of the personal side, if I could, uh, for a little bit. And I want to start off uh, by, by asking a question. How many have ever heard the song, I Surrender All? Raise your hand, it's okay, yeah? You guys are still into those like old classics, you know, that just like still move your heart, you know? Uh, um, that song was written, I actually thought up until like, I don't know, two hours, uh, no, it was late last night sometime uh, that uh, Israel Houghton wrote that song. <laughs> I don't know if you know who Israel Houghton is. I, I, I forgot that it was a hymn. I know, I know, this is bad, this is bad, right? I should know this. Uh, but I'm so glad I researched and actually uh, um, looked into who, who actually wrote the song because I was going to say that Israel Houghton did it. But he kind of, I think, brought it back out into the mainstream, if you would, of Christian contemporary worship, right? Like, I think it was like back in the mid to 
to late 90s. He did his own little version of it. And man, the song just moves you. The the moment you hear it, but it doesn't just move you to want to worship God. It actually moves you to want to surrender all to God. Like it's like, like it it, it moves you to wanting to take action. And of course it moves you to want to worship. But I want to read um, the first and second verse as well as the chorus. Just in case for those who haven't heard it, it's a beautiful song. I'd encourage you to look it up um, when you get home. Listen to it because it will um, inspire worship and surrender. It is glorious. It says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsake. Why don't they write songs like this anymore? Am I the only one? I mean, we got some good music out there. Don't get me wrong. I love what's going on in the worship movement. But man, these lyrics are rich, aren't they? Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. Oh my goodness, like, whoa. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. You might be wondering, hey, why are you... Why are you, uh, you know, reciting the lyrics of this song? You know, it would would have been much awkward. Bethany encouraged me to break up my guitar and sing it. I'm like, what are you talking about, babe? I mean, this is the year 2021. That would be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, But I, 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 I kind of just wanted to read these couple of verses and choruses because this really does for me embody the heart the tone and the tenor of my sermon today. It really does. I know, uh, I think it was a couple of you when I walked in, they're like, man, I can't, can't wait to hear a sermon on missions. I'm like, I don't know if we're gonna start there, okay? Like there's some things I think we need to get right in our heart and in our lives before we can become a missional people, right? I mean, I, I, hopefully we all agree on that. And so I read this song, uh, these verses in this chorus just because, again, I think it gets to the heart of what I believe uh, my sermon is about. It was written by a man named Justin W. Van De Vetter. And this man um, came to kind of an impasse, a kind of crossroad, if you would, in his life where he was kind of a, 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 an artsy kind of guy who taught at colleges and whatnot. And um, there came a moment in his life where he felt the pull to go into full-time ministries, uh, ministry, excuse me. And it was a real wrestle within his heart. like. You know, he had a family and of course he wanted to provide and the whole idea of like, just like leaving that to to become an evangelist just seemed kind of uh, risky. And so uh, the song was after uh, actually written out of that season of his life. He most certainly did choose to surrender his life to Jesus and go into full-time ministry as an evangelist. And um, the reason I kind of bring his story up because because as, as, as wonderful as this song is, and the worship that it inspires and the kind of effect and impact that it has on your heart to want to lay down your life to surrender all for Christ. Um, as wonderful as that all sounds and is, that's hard to do. <laughs> I don't know, like, I just put myself out there like, I want to control my life in the details thereof, right? I don't want somebody else in the steering wheel, like driving and leading me. You know, I, 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 like, thank you, but I'd rather do that kind of stuff myself. And so the very idea of like surrendering your life to Christ becomes very 
kind of tricky to wrap your mind around what that looks like because we're so given to want to control our lives as people. Am I alone in that? I mean, I feel like as soon as I came out of the womb in America, I was bred and, and kind of indoctrinated to take life by its horns and lead myself, you know, get educated, get my career, get my white picket fence with my wife and one dog. I mean, that's, I just felt like it was, it was, it, it was like just this self, self, me, me. It's only going to happen if I drive it and control it. But that's so like contrary to the gospel, isn't it? This is when it becomes hard for us because God does require, and we're going to get to those details um, a little bit later in the sermon, but I, I had to ask myself a hard question. Now, I've been following Jesus for a little over 21 years, and so I imagine that at this time, 21 years into my journey of faith, that if I'm asking these questions, there might be some here today that might be asking some of the questions that I'm asking, and that question is, why, God, would you ask something of us that is hard to give? Like, why does God require surrender? Like, I don't don't know, I just said the thought, it goes off in my mind often. My son is uh, competitive, you may know him. Um, And if you stick around for any length of time, you will get to know him. He has his wife's, my wife's personality, his wife's, he's 12, Uh, but he has my wife's personality. Um, And she is an extrovert. Uh, I, on the other hand, am introverted. A little extroverted sometimes, if the spirit's right, you know, like, hey, Jesus is in the room. Like, you know, I get happy, but for the most part, I, I go into my shell. Like, but he is, you know. But part of my son's nature is he's very competitive. And, um, and that thing comes out, that competitive streak, that nature comes out whenever, like, there's time to compete, right? I don't care if it's Monopoly. I don't care if it's a game of 45s or if it's just a pickup of 1v1 on my side yard or if it's a game that he's playing in football. He just, he's in it to win it. I love that side of him. Uh, but to ask him to be anything other than competitive in those uh, situations is kind of hard for him to do. But we have this um, neighbor who uh, has, of course we have neighbors, I mean, it doesn't everybody, but we have a neighbor who has a young son around the age of my son. And from time to time when me and Abram are out throwing the balls and having fun and, and getting into it and whatnot, um, our neighbor's son, he comes over and he joins us. Now, this is fine other than um, the, the kind of uh, degree of our levels of athleticism is very different. I'm not trying to, uh, um, uh, you know, dote and kind of pop my son up a little bit, prop him up uh, to be something that he's not, but he is athletic. I mean, he just, it, 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 he's, he easily connects when it's time to play a sport. He gets right into it and he's good at it. And our, uh, our neighbor's son, not so much, not so much. You know, there, maybe he, I don't know, he'll be a web designer. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but it, you know, but, but, there, but there's a massive difference between the two. But, but uh, in the beginning, when this boy came over to have fun and kind of throw the ball around and engage with, this, with my son, uh, my son just, he would snap right into that default. Like, uh, I'm, I'm going to kill the kid. Like, I don't care that he can't catch a ball. I'm going to win this game. And I'm like, dude, 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 dude. You like this kid, you've known him for 11 years. Tone it down, bro, or he is not going to be your friend. Like, get, like, just bring it down. Let him win some. Let him, 
Let him, let him get the advantage. Let him pull ahead some. Don't just crush him. And uh, it's funny, Abram, God bless his soul, he does. He's learned how to tone things down. And it's because he values um, his friendship with this boy. And this leads me to my first point that I'd like to make this morning. Um, when we value someone, that is to say, when we see their worth and the need for them in our lives, we can easily surrender the deep embedded pieces of our personality for the good of that particular relationship. Let me read that again. When we value someone, that is to say, when we see their worth, when, when we see their need for that, for that person in our lives, we can easily surrender the deep embedded pieces of our personality for the good of that particular relationship. Much like Abram surrendered his desire to want to crush our neighbor's son in a game of football in our side yard. That really held, there was no consequences to crushing. There was like, he wasn't going to get a parade or like, go, go Abram, yeah, you're great. No, it was nothing. He just wanted the sheer pleasure of dominating. But here in that moment, Abram valued his friendship over his need to dominate. And this, I think, tells me something anyways in this kind of open dialogue or like the start of this sermon tells me about something of how the process of surrendering to Jesus may work. I I think surrendering, excuse me, to Jesus comes naturally when we see Jesus's worth. Let me me say that again, just, just in case you're not listening. I think what might be considered by us to be hard, you know, like I said earlier, like I don't come by wanting to surrender my life to Jesus. Like naturally, it's not easy for me to do, but I found this, the more I see Jesus's worth, the more I naturally want to surrender the details of my life to Jesus. Does that make sense? So the deeper we value, and that is to say, the deeper we treasure, treasure, excuse me, and cherish Christ, the easier it is to surrender Christ. So the question shouldn't be, Um, why do we have to, or why is surrendering to Jesus required? The question should be asked of ourselves, do I see Christ worthy of my surrendering all? Do I see Christ? Let me just ask this question together as a community. Do you today, you, yourself, not your husband, not your child, not your boyfriend, not your friend, but you, personalize it, you, do you see the worth of Jesus? And in seeing his worth, do you find it necessary to surrender all? See, one is a requirement, one is a response. And I don't know about you, I would rather respond to Jesus than feel as though I'm required to do something that doesn't come naturally for me to do. So now we get into the crux of what Jesus calls us to, if, just in case you think I'm making this all up about us surrendering all to Christ. Um, one of the key characteristics, in my opinion, of being a disciple of Jesus involves surrender. Let me lead you to our first text in Matthew 16, 24. Here's Jesus, our Lord, saying this. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross in follow me. Now there's just some hard hitting words, right? There's like, those words get you thinking like, whoo, can I do this thing? If anyone, anyone would come after me, this is Jesus, the words are in red. 
This is the son of God. If anyone would come after me, he must. It's, it's not up for conversation. It's not up for picking and choosing if you're going to. You must, I must deny myself and take up my cross and follow Christ. Jesus breaks down what it means to be a disciple, right? And the requirements are simple. And we see it right in this passage, denying ourselves and picking up our cross. So let's talk about denying ourselves a little bit. Can we do that? What does that look like? Anybody ever ask that question or am I the only one? What does that look like? <laughs> you know? And more than that, am I doing a good job at that? Like, I don't even know if like, like, like am, am I really living this out? I don't know. Like, I like to think I am living it out, but you know, I, I leave that up for debate. And I want to simplify what this means. I want, I want to make it very simple uh, so that we, we leave here not confused, but, but knowing and very clear on the issue. And if you would... Turn with me to Luke 22, 41 through 42. You may be familiar with this passage, but this is just moments before Jesus will be crucified. He's in the garden with his, with his fellows, the 12 disciples, and he's asking them to pray with him. He's in that moment of like great stress and anxiety over what is about ready to take place, just moments from this moment. And this is what we read. He said in, uh, in Luke 22, 41 through 42, it says, and he, that's Jesus, withdrew from them, that's the disciples, about a stone's throw and knelt to pray. Christ is praying. And this is what he prays. He prays, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Let me, let me, let me just simplify this as best as I can, to deny yourself, like, like to, 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 to deny the appetites and the hungers that you have to, to gratify the lust of the flesh simply means this. To deny that means to humbly submit to the will of God. And here in Luke chapter 22, Jesus models that for us. Uh, Jesus humbly embraces the will of God above his own. And it, it's simply this. He refused his desired outcome to follow the Lord's desired purpose. And, and for us, this is what it means. Uh, because Jesus doesn't just do it. In the text that we read earlier in Matthew 16, 24, he calls us to the same behavior. He calls us to deny our wills. Come on. We all have that, you know, no, it's going to go this way, God. It's not going to go that way. No, I'm not going to give that money, God. I'm going to give that money or I'm not going to give any money. I'm not going to do that. It's kind of like what Judson was going through, the, 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 the hymn writer who was at that crossroads and, and, and really deciding, considering the cost of following Christ. Should I follow this very lucrative career in, in teaching people about art and whatnot? Or should I, should I deny that? that craving to want to do that? And should I become a full-time minister evangelizing the world? And of course, Judson found out that God's will was for him to be an evangelist. And he followed that will. So not my will, but yours. Jesus humbly embraces the will of God over his own. Now, we've established still, and I don't think we've concluded that 
or I shouldn't probably say concluded, yeah, that would be the wrong word, but we have established that we can't white knuckle, right? Our way through denying ourselves. As good as like seeing Jesus be able to surrender his will to the will of God, it is still hard for us humans to do that. And we can't just will and force ourselves to want to do that. We can't. And so this kind of consent needs inspiration. Like, like it needs some, something where we can say, oh, that's why we lay down our lives. That's why we deny that part of ourselves for the glory or the will of God. And we see this, I think, best reflected in Hebrews chapter 11, where we get kind of a full story from a New Testament writer about some of the Old Testament sacrifices that the patriarchs of the faith made. And I, I, I read this chapter thousands of times and I'm like, oh, that's precious. So you're a great man. Okay, that's Abraham, Enoch. I love it, Moses. But I, I read it last week with a fresh pair of eyes and I, I don't know if it's gonna floor you as much as it floored me, but I was deeply touched um, by the scripture in math, uh, sorry, Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. It says this of Moses. Now, we, we, we ended with just saying the kind of inspiration to deny ourselves, the, the kind of means to kind of consent to that, to like, yeah, sign me up, Lord, needs inspiration. Well, let's look at Moses in the way that he was inspired to live radically in his day. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, 26 gets even better. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. What causes a man to do that? What, what causes an individual to, to forego wealth and power and authority and prestige? What, what would bring him to want to refuse that for the sake of following Christ? That's, that's foreign to me. That's weird. But yet this is what we're called to do as believers. Now, let me tell you a funny story. I don't even know if this is a good illustration, but I'm going with it. Uh, I own a 2005 Ford Explorer. The thing is older than dirt, all right? It is, I might, I might as well be pulled around this piece in a horse and buggy, okay? No, it's not that bad, but it's old, okay? It's really old. And there's a reason. I could probably go out and buy a car, newer car, nicer car, you know, smelling all good, fresh. How many love that fresh car smell? No, I'm the only one. Okay, great. Because most of you don't have cars. Uh, I'm kidding. Public transformation. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but serious. Like, uh, honestly, let's bring it back in. It's, it's true. You guys walk and you take public transportation and Uber. And I, I wasn't trying to be rude. I was just kidding. But, but I, I fancy the Ford Explorer. I really prefer it, man. And I'll tell you why. It's not because it's a nice car. It's actually not a nice car at all. But I, I love it because I don't have a car payment. All right, can I get a hallelujah? Like I own that, I own that mug outright. That wasn't that hard to do because it didn't really cost that much, but I own it. And I'm not at the end of every month writing out a check for that piece you know, like, oh yeah, that monthly payment. So I am willing to 
embrace the embarrassment, so to speak, of driving around in an old beat-up SUV for the greater worth of not having a monthly bill. Now, this leads me to my second point. I, we might have went on a bunny trail there. I don't know, but let's see if we can tie it into something applicable. Okay. When we value Christ again, that is to say, when we, like Moses, considers, consider excuse me, Christ's worth, we are able to detach ourselves and place less value in the fleeting pleasures of this world. Moses surrenders the decadence and the delicacies of Egyptian luxury, <laughs> right? He, 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 he foregoes, he willingly, almost without any pressure at all, foregoes those things. And what does he find greater worth in doing? Identifying with the enslaved people of Israel and a Messiah he doesn't even know yet. That's just what's over your head except for Joe. <laughs> that, that boggles my mind. Like, at least sign me up for something that has equal value, right? Like, sign me up for something that looks just as appealing and, and just as glorious and just as good as something like, at the time, Egyptian culture and luxury was. I mean, the, the dude was like up in the palace. He was a heavy hitter. I, and some of my fascination would be uh, with Moses, I think, because I just saw Christian Bale's Moses. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Don't watch it. Yeah, he starred in a movie. I know, you guys are like, what? Christian Bale, Moses? He, I think in 2005, he was in a movie called Moses, and he was Moses. It's a bit heretical. Like, some of the things happened in the movie. I'm like, I don't remember reading that about, you know, but, but, I, but I was kind of immersed in this movie, and it was great to get a feel, I think, for how some of his life, you know, kind of took place and happened as he was... Um, you know, part of the, the, the royal families, not the royal families, but Pharaoh's family. It was amazing. But, but back to the sermon. Uh, it, it, it blows my mind, it floors me that Moses would have such faith and, and that he would see the value of worth and worth, excuse me, in something that from the outside doesn't look all that valuable and doesn't look all that worthy. Now, we're 32 minutes into this sermon. I'm going to land on my last point because I, I want to be sure that I convince you of this. Um, all, all of this that I'm talking about today, this living a life of surrender, right? Um, I, I don't want to come across as if God requires in, in a way that he would force you or compel you to do something against your will. What I'm talking about is uncoerced surrender. Uh, I am, and, that, and that's the point that I'm trying to drive home here uh, this morning by these two examples that, I, that I've given and these two applicable things that I've, I've, I've talked about. I, 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 I want to convince you that none of this, right, none of surrendering all you have to Jesus, it's simply self-imposed and uncoerced. It's completely voluntary. And, and it's inspired by you and I seeing the worth of God's son, Christ Jesus. Like that, that, that is the only responsibility, I guess, that we have is like, like Moses saw, we see the worth of Christ 
far more better, or I, I don't even have the right words, but greater than the fleeting pleasures of this world. Oh, that God would do in our hearts what he did in Moses' heart. <laughs> that, that we would kind of become less fascinated by the things of this world and more fascinated over the things of God, his son, Christ Jesus. So it's uncoerced. Listen, Matthew 13, 45 through 46. Turn there. It's our last scripture of the morning or the afternoon now. In Matthew, Jesus said this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search for fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. <laughs> These, I don't, are we, like, are we reading the word of God? <laughs> I don't know, it's just these, these two texts that I've just, actually the three of them so rattle me in such a good and glorious way that I, I just want to live more abandoned. I want to live more, uh, 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 um, I want to I live more, less selfish, that's what I want to say, and more about surrendering my life and picking up the cause of Christ. Listen, the merchant is in no way in the story compelled or forced to sell all that he had and, and buy that pearl of great force. It wasn't like uh, force, great price, uh, but but he is not compelled. He's uh, willing. There's something of great value that he sees and he is willing without any kind of pressure, outside pressure at all, to go and to buy that pearl. His, his, his only motivation is this, is seeing the value of that pearl. And of course, Jesus, we know, is that pearl. And, and we are the merchants. And the question is, will we respond to the worth of Christ like the merchant? The desire and grace to surrender is inspired. Listen, it is inspired, only inspired by the worth of Christ. And so my question in closing is this, how do you see Christ today? Do you see him as valuable? worth more than the fleeting pleasures of this world? Do you see him like the merchant and Moses saw him high and glorious? Let me say this, a high view of God, that is God above all. I think, you know, just like you are immersed in, you are completely taken by the glory and the wonder of God. That, that high view of God will always result in uncoerced willingness to surrender to Christ. And as we go into these next weeks or so, and we, we, we start laying uh, uh, more foundations uh, you know, under this uh, sermon series, man, there's gonna be a lot of um, means to sacrifice and live a surrendered life because all that we're gonna talk about and the initiatives that we're gonna do take work. <laughs> like, like what we're gonna do over at the Salvation Army isn't just gonna happen by itself, friend. It, it's gonna happen by people who can volunteer and see the worth of Christ and, uh, and see him as worthy enough to go into that uh, uh, um, Salvation Army amongst the addicted 
and those who are abusing substance and bring the light and the glory of Jesus Christ to that people. And it just can't be the same people over and over and over and over again. Like God wants to arrest us all with his beauty and his worthiness and his great value. Because it's, 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 it's by that and only by that that you are able, you're going to be able to sacrifice and surrender all when the time comes. It's only by seeing that value and that worth that you'll be able to, like Judson, lay everything down and follow Christ. I simply wanted to lay a foundation for the next two weeks. Yes, we are going to be talking about missions. Yes, absolutely. Bethany is going to add to the conversation. Andrew Montoya is going to, yeah, you can, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, it's a good time. He's going to add to the conversation and then we're going to launch out collectively as a body and we are going to bring the light and the glory of Jesus Christ by his grace to the city of Cambridge and we are going to start at the Salvation Army and work out from there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, and at this time, I, I ask that your spirit would come. I ask, Lord, that your spirit would draw near and only convince us more of these truths. Lord, we're so easily distracted and we vacillate so much between this opinion and that opinion, that truth and this truth. But God, I ask, Lord, that now the Spirit would come and, and, and center us on the truth of your word, that we might see it as such. And by it, we might be made free, free from this world, God, is what we're asking. We're asking to see a greater beauty than education. Father, we're asking to see a greater beauty than the busyness of this life, Lord, the busyness and the fast pace of this city. We're asking God, Lord, for you to come and open our eyes, Lord, that we might see worth in Christ that is greater than Harvard University, God. It's greater than MIT. It's greater than Boston. It's greater than Berkeley. It's greater than every name, God. It's greater than every other influence in our culture. Open our eyes to see, God, oh, we ask. Lord, that we might uncoursed and voluntarily lay our lives down surrender all to pick up your will over ours, whatever that may look like, Jesus. We commit ourselves to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to real quick just invite Andrew Montoya up and then we're going to take communion and then we're going to close this service out. But um, before we take communion, we're not doing too bad. I promise only a couple more minutes and We'll get on with our day, but um, I wanted him to share some details about our October 14th launch um, with the Salvation Army. If you were here last week, he talked a little bit about it, but we want to make sure um, that we have a really easy way 
to get quickly involved and invested into this? Yeah, definitely. So uh, as Daryl mentioned, October 14th, uh, we'll be serving at the Salvation Army at 6 p.m. until 8 p.m. And uh, as the video announcement mentioned, we have a need for musicians. If you love to worship, if you love to create an atmosphere to where people can encounter God through worship, this is where you wanna be. If you love to share the gospel of Jesus, we need people who are gonna go into the streets of Cambridge and just share the love of Christ. And uh, really just through that love, um, lead people into encounter with Christ and welcome them to the Salvation Army that night if they wanna continue in the place of worship. And uh, we also need uh, co, uh, co-group leaders as well. So um, we have groups where people are gonna be able to share testimonies of what Christ is doing in their lives. And we just need people who'll be able to facilitate these discussions and make sure that the focus is kept on Christ and the works of Christ in the lives of people. And if you're just someone who likes to have conversation with people and just give snacks and, and build a relationship, well, um, we have a spot for that too. Um, whatever your gifts are, whatever your talents are, there's an opportunity for you to use them for the glory of his kingdom through this outreach. So I definitely encourage you. Um, you, you just have to be willing. It's as simple as that. As Isaiah, send me, use me. It's as simple as that. So if you're willing, I invite you every second Thursday of the month, 6 to 8 p.m., be salt and light to the people in Cambridge. Come on. So they can, how, how do they connect with you and, and how can they get assimilated in Definitely. So you can talk to me after service or you can email me at my email, which is andrew.montoya1 outlook.com. Um, any questions you have, let me know. As Daryl mentioned earlier, this is just the, the beginning of greater works to come. And this is just us building a relationship with the Salvation Army and showing them, hey, we care for the work you're doing. We'll be here partnering with you. We're in this together to bring the light of God into Cambridge. So this is what this partnership really is about, is just showing uh, a ministry, an organization that's been doing amazing work for decades and then basically running with them, showing them that, hey, we see what you're doing, we believe in it, and we wanna partner with you in it as well. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you put your hands together. That's awesome. All right. So we're closing it out, but let's end this thing well. Let's end with communion, shall we? Um, I'm sorry. Muiwa. That's right. It's my age. Come on up, my friend. A um, couple things before we take communion. Listen, if you like our church and we haven't scared you too much and you're new here, uh, over here is the Info Center, as Amy mentioned. Uh, we would like for you to check it out. Um, we promise not to be too aggressive and clutter your inbox with useless emails. Um, Our only objective is to connect you to this spiritual family, this community of faith. And there's also a pretty cool gift over there for you, only if you're interested. I gotta gotta preface that because I think some people just go over for the gift. And, And we love that, we love that. But we really want you to lay roots and be part of our family here, because uh, God is doing great and glorious things in our midst. And again, remember that the kids are doing a bake sale, and so buy, 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 buy. It's actually, there's really good stuff over there. Uh, I think for the last couple of weeks, I've lived, that's been lunch for me. It's, it's, it's like brownies and cookies, but still, it fills the belly and it tastes really good. Church, we're just gonna end with communion. And uh, we love you, and we hope to see you next. Muiwa.